Welcome. I'm Dr. Liz, an entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, mom, and wife. This podcast is about hypnosis, but also about all kinds of ways to help you live your fullest life, to heal, transform, to play the long game and go after the joy. You can see more about me at drlizhypnosis.com. Hop over there to get a free hypnosis file to decrease fear and anxiety or one to increase emotional stability. They're there just for you. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I do. Peace. Hi, everyone. Dr. Liz here. Today on the podcast, we have Michelle Gladio. She is the author of Communicate with Courage, Taking Risks to Overcome the Four Hidden Challenges. And she's the president of Gladio Consulting, which is a Midwest-based team that presents seminars, training about communication and leadership topics around the U.S. She also provides executive coaching, um, strategic planning. She's worked in private sector, obviously, governments, nonprofits, academia. She's really fantastic. I really enjoyed her book. You'll hear on the podcast that I say a lot of books come across my desk, and I don't choose to interview everyone who sends one, but she made the cut because I found her book easy to read, easy to get through, useful, and I also felt like it came from the heart, like she really wrote from the heart. We don't just talk about the book on this podcast. We're giving all kinds of really concrete things that you can do in terms of improving your own communication, whether that's in the workplace or at home with your family and friends. So I hope that you find it useful. Now, before we jump in, if you are someone who gets anxious about communicating or about other stuff in your life, then remember that you can get a free hypnosis to reduce fear and anxiety when you join my newsletter. And that's over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com. Or if you feel like you need to heal some beliefs that are underlying so that you can communicate in a way that feels good and where you feel heard and respected and really feel like that comes from inside versus outside, then please feel free to schedule a free 15-minute telephone consultation to see if we're a good fit to work together. All right, let's jump in. I hope you're healthy and safe, people. Peace. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Oh my gosh, Liz, it's so good to talk to you. Thanks for selecting me to be on. Absolutely. And for the listeners, this is our second go at it. We had a technical glitch last time and the uh, recording that I did did not process properly. So we are giving it a second go. So it's going to feel a little bit different, but I think even more informative in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. So um, Michelle, why don't you just do a brief introduction to the audience of who you are, what you do? Sure, I'd be happy to. My name is Michelle Gladio, one of those French last names that can be challenging to spell, G-L-A-D-I-E-U-X. You can learn more about my team and my company at gladioconsulting.com, and we do a quarterly newsletter filled with personal and professional development ideas, so we'd love for you to sign up there to stay in touch. The book that I've written came out in November of 2022, and it's called Communicate with Courage, Taking Risks to Overcome the Four Hidden Challenges. So I have made my living coaching and teaching and training 
executives, employees at all levels, friends and family, just humans that I know and love, trying to help them and myself become a better communicator. And there's just often more that we can do to improve our life situations when we start to look at how we communicate. There's more that we can do than we realize. And there are often some obstacles in our way that we don't realize. So that was really my motivation for writing this book. And I want to say it's a really good book. So listeners, you don't always know that I have a lot of books that come across my desk. And I actually, some I turned down for interviews because I don't feel like either it's a good fit for the podcast or it it wasn't very well written um, or enjoyable to read. And I am like a avid reader. I read close to 100 books, sometimes more a year. So Michelle's made the cut. It's a really good oh, book. <laughs> I want to say that. I'm so happy to hear you say that because it it was, uh, you know, anything that's worthwhile takes time. And I spent about four years trying to write a really short book because I wow. feel like we're all busy, okay. but it had to be deep enough that folks could see themselves in the pages and also feel the love, hopefully, and the strategy on each page. So that means a lot to me that you that you say that, especially as an avid reader. Yeah, absolutely. I think it did exactly that. I think it was a great mix of um, professional tips and exercises and the personal. Like, hey, um, this is what gets in people's way, as I see as a professional teaching this stuff, going into organizations and trying to help people. And this is where a lot of that material comes from. So I think it was a really good mix of, of that. I really appreciated that at the end of the chapters, you have two things. So you don't just have exercises, which a lot of books have. They'll, they'll you know, give the instruction and they'll have you do a little exercise and they'll move on to the next chapter. Instead, you have exercises and pro moves, which are really concrete tips about what someone could actually do in their life to improve their communication. So I am someone who will read the exercise and very rarely do it. But I found that the pro move, I was like, oh, this I can do. Like I can implement this immediately. So I really appreciated that. How did you come up with that? I don't know. I think I just try to move through my day and my evening and my week and my month and my life, maximizing outcome for myself and others. And I would say, um, I would say that a pro move is a communication attempt. It's a way to send or receive messages from others more deftly than the average bear. Yeah. So Liz, it's like a, it's a good try that might flop or that our listeners might pull off with flying colors and either way is okay. But mm-hmm. you are stretching a bit as a communicator a bit more that, than most humans because they might walk on by the opportunity thinking, Oh, that's too much trouble or I'm not, I don't have the skill. I'm not smooth enough to undertake that opportunity. And then they miss a chance to get closer to their communication. Yeah. A few sentences to a paragraph. Um, Yes. And it often means you'll use your knowledge of yourself, or you might be paying even better attention to other people after reading this book. So you know what action to take or pass or decide not to take. And if your preference is, let's say, to do or say X, you might read a situation when you're being strategic to call for why. So you're going to zig when you used to zag and you might stand out or stand up or stand down and just mm-hmm. chill and listen. But it's not the easy choice. It is, however, the pro move. And it's kind of funny. I've had a fantasy football team with friends and we bet on football for years. <laughs> I'm, I'm based out of Indiana 
in the Midwest, and I've always named my fantasy football team Pro Moves, and I'm usually last in the league with my picks, but <laughs> I found another way to use Pro Moves, and it's in communication, it's not in picking football teams. Absolutely, absolutely, that's fun. I'm going to share that I did one of the um, exercises, and when we had talked last time, I had said I didn't ask my husband this question because... It's just a little too scary. Or I think I know Uh what he's going to say. I remember. In between then and now, I did actually ask my husband. So I'll I'll share with the listeners the the question that I really loved. And it's pretty near the beginning of your book. But you encourage people to ask, ask someone else what they like most and least about communicating with you. And I really love how this question is framed because it's not just saying the positive or the negative. It's really the both. Like, give me some good feedback here and give me some improvement, basically. So last time we had talked about what my what my daughter had said, because I asked uh, my daughters, and I'll start with that, and then I'll move to my husband. I'm going to okay, build it oh, up I here a little bit. <laughs> How brave, yeah. how courageous. Good job. Yes. It was courageous. It, I, it was it a was. little scary, I'll have to tell you. Um, but I went, I took the leap. I'm like, nope, I'm going to do this. So my daughter, the one who's 17, said that I'm very kind and gentle about my communication. Like I repeat things when she doesn't understand or I phrase it a different way so she can understand it better. Um, but she said, I don't always explain the context. Instead, I often go straight to the solution. <laughs> So that was improvement that I need on my part, or you're going to love this one. Um, I'm on my phone sometimes when she's talking to me and I say, "Mm -hmm," and then later ask what she said. Oh, busted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she said, I do know that sometimes you'll say, give me a minute and Mm -hmm. to finish this. And then I can pay attention to you. So she said, I, she likes it when I do that. And I was like, okay, I can totally do that better because sometimes she will come up right when I'm in the middle of something. I don't think I should have the value that I have to drop absolutely everything. The minute that one of my kids comes up, like, no, that's okay to wait your turn. And I do have things I need to do professionally and personally, and then um, I'll tend to you, you know, assuming it's not an emergency or something. But I told her, oh, I am happy to do that a little bit more. So that that was uh, really enlightening for me. Well done. And may I just say also, anyone that we ask this question to, the question being, hey, I listened to a podcast and there's a challenge that I come mm-hmm. to you to get some feedback care what you think. I'm interested to know what do you think I do well as a communicator and what's something that you think I could do better or differently? Yes. Anyone we ask that question to knows that we respect them and prioritize their opinion. So it can do wonders for a relationship, even a relationship that isn't going well or that That's is true. strained or might could be maybe a feeling a person you have feelings of competitiveness with at work or in your family. Mm-hmm. Just asking the question, even if they choose not to participate, I think there's power in it because they will not forget. They might never forget that you came to have to ask. I think you're right. The the meta communication there is you're important to me. Your opinion matters to me. And that is something that people don't forget. I have had folks tell me, I'm not sure, or I'm too, you know, this is not a good time for me, or they're nervous. Yeah. And they don't want to participate in the feedback challenge, as I call it. Uh-huh. And I'll say, no problem. You know it when and if you think of anything. I'm always interested, even if it's a year from now. That's great. And one of my coworkers said, okay, I'll let you know. And then we were in a meeting 
And Liz, uh, the person said something that I thought the data was incorrect. And I spoke up and said, oh, hold no, 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 no. And I started to talk and she said, that's it. (laughs) And I said, what's it? She said, the feedback challenge thingy. Uh That's something I think you could work on. You interrupt sometimes. Totally true. Uh Totally true. Maybe I wouldn't have wanted her to say it in front of 10 other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's okay. Your ego, your ego will rebound. Yes. The little bit of sting you feel is going to be worth the gift of constructive criticism and praise that you might receive from this exercise. And if someone isn't skilled at giving feedback, Mm -hmm. and so they're a little more blunt than necessary, or perhaps even unkind, so they're unskilled at giving it, Mm. the courageous communicator sorts through what they don't need, they put that aside, and they hold on to what they can use. Yes. You know, trying to forgive the person for being a little clumsy about how they how they give feedback is also a courageous move. Well, I think that's wonderful to say. I, I like how you phrased it. Not that some people are mean, but some people are less skilled trying to put something in a way that um, feels palatable to the other person. Love that. And if they are trying to, and there are a few humans out there that will try to be mean, and I feel... I can feel some empathy for them in that they're unhappy, probably generally, mm-hmm. and they're seeking to share their unhappiness with others. You don't have to get hooked. You can be a fish that swims on by that. Mm-hmm. The best thing to reply, whether you get kudos or you get complaints or you get some of both, keep it to five words, people. Just look the person in the eye or respond by email or text, however you're choosing to do the feedback challenge and say, thanks, I'll think about that. Thanks. I'll think about that. That's five words. All right. Thanks. I'll think about that and mean it because we don't want you to argue with someone. No, no, no. That's not true. That someone might say she responded to my emails more quickly. Well, I have a lot going. No, 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 no. Yeah. Slow your roll and just say thank you. I'll think about that and then go think about it. I prefer to get it personally. I prefer to get away from the feedback giver pretty quickly so I can go sit and think about what they've said. I, love I might that. need to nurse my wounds a little bit. I might want to pat myself on the back. Private processing. Yeah. That private processing can help us emerge the next day and try something different, which is really how we raise our games as communicators. Absolutely. I, and don't worry, I'm going to get to my husband's feedback. But I, before that, I want to say that that brings up another sentence that you talk about uh, later in the book communication models or heroes, heroines, however you want to put it. The phrase that really stuck with me was this woman that you had admired. And she said, when the conversation has reached this limit of usefulness, that she'll say, let's give each other some time back. But it reminds me of that. Like someone's giving you feedback and maybe the conversation really has reached the limit of usefulness, no matter what you're talking about, not necessarily in this case where you're you're asking for feedback, but it's a wonderful opportunity to just take a step back and say, I'm going to think about that. That's essentially what that same phrase is. Let's give each other some time back. Very similar. Yes, that's Christine from Powered by Purple Inc., which is a networking organization for people professionals based out of Indiana. And I'm very happy to be a part of that group. Mm -hmm. What I notice in her is the expert way she blends empathy with directness. Mm. And in her work, she's constantly connecting people. And she has more meetings with people in in one week than most of us do. So watching the time is important for both parties. Mm -hmm. And she is doing what what a pro move that is blending concern for others feelings 
and a concern for using time wisely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let you forget about what your husband replied. Yeah. So don't worry about that. (laughs) I'm pretty good at tracking. So (laughs) from being a therapist, you know, it's Uh like, wait a minute, something you said in the first five minutes. (laughs) Let's go back to that. Uh All right. So my husband, he said, he can tell me something without being afraid about how I'm going to react. Like he feels safe talking to me about absolutely anything. And I will say that that has been a skill I have worked on for many, many years is really trying to create an environment of safety. And I think that goes to emotional regulation too, particularly when you're talking about um, couples. It's really important to work on your internal emotional regulation when someone is giving you feedback, when when it's a partner that's giving you feedback. So I was really happy to hear that. He said the least was that I interrupt or ask a question too fast, but that I've gotten better at it. So I'll tell you a funny story about this. Um, He gave me this feedback. And then a couple of days later, we're driving along in the car. Before that, he saw me put two tables together that I have in my house and clear them. I told him, well, I'm getting ready to take the next step on my daughter's quilt that I'm working on. I have to actually base the quilt and um, before I can actually quilt it. And so I'm about to tell him what basting is because I know he doesn't know. And he interrupts and says, well, what's basting? And I said, aha, You did it. Like You did the feedback that you gave me. And he totally busted into laughter. And, uh, and said, oh, my God, I did. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, that's, I mean, what an example of a, a, a team, a loving team you two are. And I'm sure it's not always sunshine and roses. No. Yeah. I tell you what, I just don't, I generally don't like constructive feedback from my significant other or really close family members. Oh, I just have so much growing up to do in that area. <laughs> and I think I really do. I, every It's like every five or 10 years, I look back at me from five or 10 years ago and I think, okay, so it took me 10 years, but I have learned to apologize yes. without considering it a big loss. Yeah. Like I always thought the losers apologized and the winners didn't have to apologize. Oh, yeah. What a bunch of BS. I mean, right. when you make a mistake, the, the courageous thing to do is to say, hey, I snapped at you yesterday. I was having a tough day. It wasn't your fault. I'm sorry. Absolutely. You're going to try to be better. Yeah. And you feel better, too. Absolutely. Harmony. Well, communication is probably the top thing that couples cite when they want to come to therapy. And I've done a lot of couples therapy. I was a couple specialist for many, many years. And then I really switched to working with an individual on their um, own stuff versus working with two people at the same time. But that is the top reason that people cite is communication. And I really feel like, oh, if you are courageous and you can ask your your loved ones, okay, let's let's start with me. What's the good and the bad about me? Let's not start with you right? Like everyone's willing to tell the other person what they like and don't like, but it's harder to hear it. I mean, your book is oriented more towards, I think, communication in the professional workplace. And there's certainly how to use it in your personal life as well. But it's like any of them can benefit from reading this book in terms of taking it into their personal life, I believe. Thank you. That means a lot. I do have a friend who said her grandmother, who's 87, has it currently and then will be passing it on. Oh, and I have awesome. another friend who has her 17-year-old reading it. So I hope it's I hope it's somewhat universally applicable. 
I wanted to add a comment. You mentioned that your the couples that you counsel have mostly come in through the years citing communication yes. as an obstacle to a happy relationship. It's the same deal in corporate America, in academia, in governments and military teams that we work with, and in nonprofit teams. Really? We do what's called climate assessments, uh-huh. which sounds fancy and yes, is based in organizational psychology. But it's it's pretty simple in that we gather data confidentially from all members of a team or organization asking what they enjoy most and least about working at that organization and what might improve the culture in the organization so that Mm -hmm. we can then have data to analyze and then get down to individual behaviors. And so 20 some years of doing this and thousands of these kinds of exercises and we see communication has been number one, the number one thing people think that their team or company needs to work on across the board. And it has never deviated. Fascinating. I find that so fascinating. This is possibly one of the hardest and most wonderful things about being human is mm-hmm. to try to send messages that land correctly and yes. are understood and acceptable and to hear messages as they are intended to be received. Really tough stuff because, of course, we're all bringing all of our baggage and all of our past Yes. Um, disappointments and traumas and wins and experiences. And we tend, I think, to think everyone, even though we know it's not possible, I think mm-hmm. we tend to think everyone experiences the world the same way we do. Yes. Yes. Even when you have an awareness that people don't, you are still communicating from your own background. As a therapist, um, most of us are, are taught or learn along the way how to pace with somebody else, how to use their words, not our own, to explain something because that does increase communication. It does increase a sense of being understood. And we develop that flexibility to be able to do that. But there's still this um, I think most people have the default to communicate from their own perspective. Absolutely. I didn't realize how different human personalities could be until we started using personality assessment in coaching at my organization. Mm-hmm. And of course, that would mean I went first as did my team. And I'm reading about myself and seeing all that, for example, high expressiveness, mm-hmm. um, a verbal fluency, a desire to participate as an extrovert. Um, high assertiveness. And I was thinking, and then I, then I met thousands of other people who are coaching clients through the years who have taken our personality assessment mm-hmm. and realized just how different everyone is and the different strengths, thus the different weaknesses we all bring to the table. And I have gotten a lot better at switching up my style. Yes. As you say, you know, speaking in terms that others understand or just appreciating, okay, this person's going to be more thoughtful. I'll use 10 times the words. But when they speak, they'll have 10 times the thought behind words sometimes. Yes. I try to appreciate that. Absolutely. And I think when you can uh, lead with that type of thing, it's better. I remember when I, this is the second husband and we've been married four years. And when I first met him, I said, look, sometimes when you're talking and I'm pausing after you stop, it doesn't mean that I haven't been listening. It just means that I'm processing, I'm thinking about it. And sometimes I need a little bit of time to do that. So it's like when you can lead with that, even in a professional situation, like I'm starting to do adult autism evaluations. And we know with the autistic brain style that the way of communicating is different than the neurotypical brain style. And part of that process 
in terms of making this a, a useful evaluation for people is letting them know, like, the more you can educate the people around you about this, the easier your life may be. <laughs> like, hey, this is my communication um, brain style. And so this is what it means. It doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you. I'm not listening. If I don't make eye contact, let's say you're in a class with a professor or something, it doesn't mean that I haven't been paying attention. It means I need to take that information, process it, and then come back and perhaps ask a question, something like that. So there are all kinds of personality uh, brain styles, let's say, that go into that, not just autistic, obviously, but that's sort of an example that people can grasp pretty quickly. Yes. And I love the use there that you are describing of stating your intention. Yes. So if I have to give feedback to someone, uh, maybe it's a college student, I might say, hey, I see how hard you're working to grasp these concepts mm -hmm. and I am proud of you. However, we really need to work on your writing style. This won't be useful to you in your career mm -hmm. until you begin to get rid of these whatever run on sentences or you need to cite your research more specifically. But I'll try to start with, I see how hard you're trying. Yes. And I want to give you some feedback that can help make you better Yeah, because I care about how you're going to do out in the real world. Yes. Well, I think last time we talked about... um preambles, right? Like giving a preamble. Yes. And preambles are so useful. I think, you know, if we could start a lot of our stuff with the preamble, we'd set ourselves up for better communication. It would be good worldwide. So it would be something like, I'm so grateful for your help. May I offer you some feedback that I think would, would, uh, would make your input even more useful to my team. Yes. We start with the I oftentimes start with, hey, I don't know your job and I am not trying to tell you how to do your job, mm -hmm. but I do have some feedback about how that email might have come across. May I share? And then the person will likely say, sure. But if they, I just come in and say, hey, do this better. I enter the communication with, hey, do this better, which I often do because I'm moving too fast as a communicator most of the time. Mm -hmm. Then their defenses go up and their first thought is, don't tell me how to do my job. So I think I'll just get that out of the way with my preamble by saying, I am not trying to tell you how to do your job. You're the IT expert. But I do have some feedback about the email you sent to my team. May I share? Absolutely. Well, I hear too permission-based. So I work a lot, a lot, a lot around permission-based type of communication when I'm working with people in my practice, when they're talking about taking something home to a spouse or a partner. It's like, hey, is this a good time to talk about this? Would you like to talk about it? If not, when is a good time? Um, or I am really tired from work. Let me go change my clothes and then we can sit and have dinner or whatever that is. Like really giving where you're at and asking permission. Absolutely. Oh my. And I, as you say that, Liz, I have to acknowledge, I'm thinking I have ruined some relationships in my past, romantic relationships by assuming that any time is the right time because what's more important than communication? Yeah, right. You're leading with that because you're a communication expert. Yes. What's more important? Why? I So what if we have to stay up all night to figure this out? <laughs> and there's an apology paragraph in the book, Communicate with Courage, to great guys I've dated that I wasn't mature enough to realize there's a limit to how much <laughs> yeah. people can communicate I didn't see that. and how much funny. they can communicate about feelings and relationships. And, um, yeah. you know, I've talked to one and, and he said, I really love the book. And I said, oh my gosh, it means so much if you would write a review. 
Will you put a review on Amazon, please? As an ex And he said, yes. I said, did you? Yeah, ex-boyfriend. I said, did you catch the uh, paragraph about how I've been immature and, you know, messed up relationships pretty bad? And he said, I did catch that. I actually, he said, I was listening on Audible and it was pretty fun to hear your voice say that. Aww. And I said, well, I didn't use your name. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, there's probably more than one name I could have included. So I left names out, but they know who they are. And I mean, we never graduate from working on communication skills. Even if we live to be 105, yes. we still will not be perfect ever. Yes. We might get to be courageous. We might get to be excellent if we really, really work at pro moves and strategies. Absolutely. Yes. And I do want to highlight too, I had recently read a study, um, it was really an article, but then it had cited some research around different styles used at home with friends in your personal life versus the workplace. So the article was talking about cooperative overlap. So in our personal lives, we tend to have a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us have what we call cooperative overlap, where we speak over the other person just a little bit, which usually is taken as good when it's in agreement or reinforcing something they said is taken as a a quote-unquote interruption when it's not so which is super interesting to me but it said that in the workplace turn-taking is much more reinforced but if you have this style of cooperative overlap which is often um, an enthusiastic way of interrupting sort of like you were saying before then sometimes it'll bleed into the workplace and some of the task is to uh, modify some of that so that you're understood better, so that you're perceived more positively, um, so that you're not seen as someone who's just constantly interrupting. And to, to a lot of people, that's annoying if it's not done in the appropriate place or way. I wanted your take on that. Well, I do think a lot of us save our best communication for our workplaces, especially if we are paid and not volunteering in our organizations. And I feel sometimes when I get home from a 10-hour day of communicating and trying to communicate like a role model or teaching communication, that it's my family that gets the short end of the stick because, quite frankly, I'm tired of monitoring my emotions, regulating them, listening well, taking my turn. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. No, <laughs> right. it's, not a, it's not a valid excuse use, what I maybe need to do is take a walk or take a few minutes to meditate Mm -hmm. or take a bath or a shower or read for a little bit or prepare some food or have a snack or drink a glass of water or something that's related to caring for myself. And then I'm ready to, I'm reset a bit. I find that my uh, communication failings tend to happen when I'm not taking care of myself and I allow myself to get into a feeling of over being overwhelmed and then the littlest things, of course, can set us off. Absolutely. That's but I do true. think that we should mention, you and I have talked a lot about, we're both very verbal. So we've talked a lot about our struggles with interrupting, which probably relates to about half of the audience listening. Yes. The other half is thinking, well, I don't do that. I'm a good listener. I just don't speak up. Okay. And that's why I've got so many tips through the book and exercises, baby steps, baby steps people can take to find their voice and use it. Because there's only one of them in all time. There's only one of each of us in all time. Yes. And if we don't get comfortable with our voice, even if it shakes, even if our face turns red, even if we can't find the right words, or we stutter, Mm -hmm. or it takes us longer to make the point, we all, especially those of us who have a tough time finding their voice or their confidence, can start working towards 
believing that we are no less valuable than any other human. Yeah. And when we start to believe that we're no, no more valuable or no less valuable than any of the other, what now, almost 8 billion humans running around on the planet, then we will put our hand up and say, okay, excuse me, I'd like to add something if I may, mm-hmm. you know, and or you might need to say the person who is speaking a lot like me, you might need to say their name a few times, Michelle, blah, 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 Michelle, blah, 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 Michelle, yes. <laughs> right. Yes, I love that. Their first name three times, but don't let the meeting end. Don't let the dinner end. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, or a piece of praise, or a comment, or a concern, mm-hmm. an opinion, you're worthy, and we need to hear that. And if the people at the table don't treat you as if you're worthy, please don't let that convince you that you're any less than them. That's a deficiency on their part, because we are all equally valuable humans. Yes, I love that. I do a lot of public speaking. And that gives me courage. I remind myself, I'll do my best. I'm bringing my unique perspective. And they are not less important than me, these listeners, and they are not more important than me, these participants. They're not just listeners, they're participating in our training. Mm -hmm. And then I can meet them where they are. And the communication feels like it's heart to heart, mind to mind on an equal playing field. That's one of the main reasons I wrote the book is to try to also help folks who are working on self-esteem. Great, great. And I think that there's an important distinction to make here that sometimes people only focus on the behavior and they don't focus on what's going on underneath the belief. So you're speaking to the belief. And sometimes that's where I come in as a hypnotherapist, as a therapist of changing these beliefs that are going on of I'm not worthy of being listened to, of speaking up, of sharing my ideas, of sharing my opinion. And once we change those beliefs under there, once we heal that, wherever that came from, then it makes it easier to implement the behavior of speaking up and making sure you don't leave before you ask your question and and all the behaviors you just cited that belief does stop people sometimes. And then they think, why can't I do that? I heard that podcast or I read that book and I'm I'm supposed to do this and I didn't do it because that underlying belief is, is running the game sometimes. I don't think that gets said enough that often the corporate coaching world these days is just focused on thoughts, 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 thoughts. change the thoughts, your behavior will change. That's often true. It can actually be helpful a lot of the time. But if you find that that's not being effective, then I say, look at the beliefs underneath. I couldn't agree more. And then maybe play a little game with yourself. Chapter three is about settling for good enough. There's a section about if you suspect you're settling for good enough on page 50. And I say this, Mm -hmm. no one is saying you constantly have to be striving. At least I'm not. But pushing yourself to excel sometimes is good for your mind, heart, soul, and relationships. So play a little game. What if in your next interaction, you figured out a way to give just a little more effort? Here's what will likely happen. You'll put pep in someone's step and add a nice glow to how you feel about you at the same time. On the flip side, you might rile someone up, but bring a problem to light diplomatically so it can be addressed, maybe even solved. Some positive self-talk will ensue, which builds, of course, your Mm self-esteem. Be careful. It can be addictive in a good way. You might start to ask yourself, 
what if I give just 1% more here in interactions, which sounds like a pro move to me, don't you agree? Then you find yourself doing so. You'll often end up receiving much more than you give. We were doing um, a customer communication skills training recently in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And I asked a big auditorium of people, um, hey, let's just think of a recent communication from today before you came to this seminar. And just a simple, you know, it could be walking down the hall, picking up the phone, answering an email, normal stuff, talking to a family member on your way out the door. And now I'd like you to look back with your hindsight being closer to 2020, take a piece of scrap paper and just jot down to me a secret little note, just jot down one way you could have improved your part of the interaction by 1%. Mm. Don't think about what the other person could have done better. We can't control that. What could you have done better? Then they passed all these pieces of scrap paper to me and I put them in my briefcase and I have some of them here. So I want to share those, a couple of these, if that would be okay. Great. Yeah. Let's hear them. Here's what anonymously, which I think means truthfully. (laughs) Yes. Often. Um, One person said, I could have verbalized a positive before I made a complaint. I could have sounded more confident. Someone else said, I think my tone was kind of arrogant. Another said, I could have let it go and not chewed on it so long in my brain. Mm. I could have gathered the other person's opinion first. I could have listened a little longer to diffuse their frustration. I could tell they were upset. Mm -hmm. I could have reread my email before I hit send. Mm -hmm. I could have prepared before I made the call. I could have avoided saying something rudely. I could have followed up, but didn't. Mm -hmm. I could have used their name, but forgot. I could have not interrupted. I could have copied those who need to know or who might like to know. Mm -hmm. I could have got to the point faster. I could have slowed down a little. And then my personal favorite, I could have picked up the call sounding like I cared. Ooh, that's a good one. Honest. That is an honest one. And that made me feel good because some of those folks had just started and were fresh out of school and their Mm -hmm. first professional job. Some folks sitting in the back were founders, owners, executives. Hmm. Seems like everyone quickly could tear a quick piece of scrap paper and pass it forward. Yeah. And if we start thinking about our interactions that way, not to beat ourselves up, mm-hmm. but this is why I'm doing dishes at 8 p.m. most nights and I'm replaying the conversations I've had. I'm just remi- I'm remembering them. And I'm thinking about, did I bring, especially to the most important ones, did I bring my full body, my full mind, my yes. full heart to that interaction. And if so, then I definitely did the best I could do. I might have some notes for myself. Yes. Or if I ask others, what do you like about how I communicate? What's something I could do better? They might have some notes for me mm-hmm. to consider. Tomorrow I wake up and I'm using more pro moves. And I think this is how we win the game of life. Absolutely. There's probably no winning. Yes. (laughs) And there's two things. One is that I love the concept of just the 1% because it feels less overwhelming to me. It's not like, oh, I have to change all these things. It's like, no, how could I have improved just simply 1%? And you're coming up with it yourself. Someone's not telling you like you were talking Uh about before. I love that. Uh The second is you say in the book, your reputation and happiness are determined in large part by your communication. And I think that's that's the point you're making here at the end. And I found that just so true, true enough that I, I like 
wrote it down by hand. Okay. I didn't just like highlight it on my Kindle. I wrote it down by hand because it's so true. And so that means that if we make the effort to do just the 1%, to just thinking about it from time to time, then that also means we're making the effort to increase our own happiness in, in terms of how we live and how we are in the world. You know, even on walks, I try to take a daily walk to to eliminate some stress or let go mm-hmm. of some things. I've started just raising my hand at folks who drive by. Oh, yeah. A little wave. Yeah. Some wave back, some do not. I don't know. I don't know what kind of cross they're carrying. But I know we're <laughs> yeah. all carrying. Yes. We're all carrying burdens. We all carry a cross. And maybe if I lighten their load just a little bit, now they're going to go to that um, meeting. They're going to interact with someone next. And what kind of a chain reaction might we start? So when we talk about the 1% game or the 1% exercise, I would recommend that for overcoming um, the fourth hidden challenge I write about, which is settling for good enough. And that means we could stretch a little towards a better interaction. And perhaps, I mean, we'd have to be optimistic that there might be potentially more rewarding outcome. And it takes courage and strength to be optimistic. But that can help us overcome settling for good enough. Yeah, I love that. I love that on so many levels because we know that just interacting with random people in our community increases our happiness, period. Research on that is clear. So I love it in that way. Um, It reminds me of, I also take walks along this one street. There's this um, guy who, I mean, he's a tough looking guy and he stands outside around the same time every day that I'm taking my walk and he smokes a cigar. And one day I decided, oh, I'll just wave at him. Usually I'm walking across the street from him. That's just my route. It's not on purpose. Sure, <laughs> but sure. I said, okay, I, I'm just going to give him a little wave today. And I did. And he, he sort of nodded his head. And then the second time I did that, he like smiled at me and waved back. And it was like, oh, here's this really tough, mean looking guy mm-hmm. who's now a friendly, right, in my community. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it just... If we have the gift of sight, yes. if we can see, then we can see what people look like. Keep in mind, that is just the cover of the book. That is not the important part about that human. Right. Yet we're all judged by our, we're all judged by the package that we came into the world in. Yes. Some much more harshly than others. Yeah. So that gentleman might have the softest heart. <laughs> yes, we don't know. Uh-huh. That's certainly been my experience. Um, I write about my brother, Mike, who was a Harley Davidson guy, and um, he passed away when I was 19. Mm -hmm. He had a heart arrhythmia. We think we don't really know. We know that it wasn't. We know that it wasn't anything that the docs could figure out. But when his Harley Davidson friends came to the church on the day of his funeral, my heart was largely healed all those years ago because they all came in Mm -hmm. as themselves. Uh And I write about that on page 31 in the book, and I tried to be as evocative as possible so that our readers or audible listeners can understand what it looks like to watch 52 Harleys roar into a church parking lot, and then in come the black leather and the chains attached to the wallets and the jeans and the black boots and these guys sitting in pews and crying. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm sorry for their loss. I know they still miss him, but something about them being willing to show up as authentically themselves and then communicate what was in their heart. Yes. Healed mine, helped heal mine, I should say. Yeah. Thank you for that. I do remember that story. And it was very touching in the book. I think that's a part of the book I really liked is that you you told several 
personal touching stories from your life to give the reader context. Like where does some of this stuff come from? More of a first for me. I thought I should, you know, thousands of seminars I've created and delivered around the U.S. and um, in a few other countries as well. And I've really not done as much of that as I could, but I thought if I'm going to write a book about communicating with courage, I'd better lower the wall and be brave and share some of the most um, painful and joyful memories that I could if it's going to help make a point about communicating better. Yes. Well, I think it does it very well. So we are coming to the end of our time here. I want to thank you once again for your wonderful insight and wisdom around communication and sharing about your personal life and your professional life and trying to help all the rest of us. You bet. I I want to add, we talked about one of the hidden challenges. I just want to mention the other three so our readers know what to look for. Oh, yes. Four hidden challenges in the book. And Michelle does a fantastic job on explaining not just what they are, but what she calls the tells, like, hey, if this is going on, even if you don't think you have this one, you probably do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And then what to do about them. So yes, please, let's share this. Some of my coworkers, um, you know, boy, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of help. I've had a lot of really good readers and writers giving feedback before this went um, to press. And some said, well, there's four hidden challenges. I think I see myself in all four. Is that bad? And I said, no, that's normal. And they're going to come and go throughout your life, but they are hiding. Mm -hmm. So the first hidden challenge is a fear of exposing our weaknesses, whether they are real or supposed. So we're hiding from risk. Mm -hmm. The second is defining to be right, being so damn sure, you know, that we're right or being quick to judge. The third is rationalizing the negative. And that sounds like this. Oh, he won't care. She won't listen. It won't change anything. So we don't do the scary, but potentially rewarding action, which might be ask for help or negotiate or apologize. And then the fourth is settling. We touched on that a bit, settling for good enough. And that is stopping instead of striving towards interactions with with more rewarding outcomes. Mm -hmm. And we can look at our values to help break most of these habits and and start taking baby steps. So there you go. And they're going to be described. Each gets its own chapter briefly with some what to do about it as well. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on the podcast. Please tell people where they can find you if they'd like to contact you or work with you. Sure. My phone number is 260-450-4202. And our website is gladioconsulting.com. And the book is Communicate with Courage, Taking Risks to Overcome the Four Hidden Challenges. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere. Independent booksellers online or the big ones. And I would love it if if your listeners do dip in, if they would leave a comment for a review. Uh, That means a lot to me that I know what they think. Thank you so much. My pleasure. truly enjoying today's episode. Remember that you can get free hypnosis downloads over at my website, drlizhypnosis.com, D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. 
I work all over the world doing hypnosis. So if you're interested in working with me, please schedule a free consultation over at my website and we'll see what your goals are and if I can be of service to you in helping you reach them. Finally, if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast or tell a friend. That way, more and more people learn about the power of hypnosis. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Peace. This podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need therapy or hypnotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional.